Today we have Aunt Becca here again to share some more of her favorite Christmas stories. Tonight I'm going to read two of my very favorite books about Christmas trees. The first one is Mr. Willoughby's Christmas Tree. Mr. Willoughby's Christmas Tree came by special delivery. Full and fresh and glistening green, the biggest tree he had ever seen. He dashed downstairs to open the door. This was the moment he'd waited for. A magnificent tree, splendid, he cried. Please, sir, won't you carry it right inside? I think it might look best this year, right in the parlor corner here. But once the tree stood in its place, Mr. Willoughby made a terrible face. The tree touched the ceiling, then bent like a bow. Oh, good heavens, he gasped. Something must go. Baxter the butler was called on in haste to chop off the top, though it seemed quite a waste. That's great, Mr. Willoughby cried with a glee. Now we can start to trim my tree. When the trimming was well underway, the top was placed on a silver tray. Baxter said, I know just who would be delighted with this Christmas tree. So it was presented to Miss Adelaide, Mr. Willoughby's upstairs maid. Won't this tree be a pretty sight when I have trimmed it later tonight? But the top, oh dear, I'm so afraid we'll have to be cut, sighed Miss Adelaide. And so with scissors sharp and long, she snipped off the top while she hummed a song. The top was set out the very next day in the back of the house to be thrown away. That little tree top caught the eye of Tim, the gardener, passing by. He certainly was not about to see that little tree thrown out. He hurried home straight away to see what Mrs. Tim would say. Fa-la-la, surprise, surprise. His wife could not believe her eyes. But our house, she said, it's so snug and small. I do not believe we need it at all. And before Tim had a chance to shout, she cut off the top and threw it out. Barnaby Bear was padding by. It almost hit him in the eye. Now who would throw a tree away? So very close to Christmas Day. I'll take it home. That's what I'll do. Look, Mama Bear, I have a present for you. Isn't it a pretty tree? yawned Barnaby quite drowsily. But Little Bear, stamping off afar, cried out, that tree won't hold a star. Barnaby said, let's cut a hunk off the bottom here at the trunk. But Mama Bear just shook her head and sliced the treetop off instead. Jolly by golly, Barnaby said with a kick. Mama, that surely is just the right trick. Let's trim it with bells and honey rings, some berries and tinsel and popcorn on strings. Mama said, trim it just as you like. I've got to tidy up for the night. This top we won't need anymore. I'll put it just outside the door. Later on that frosty night, Frisky Fox came into sight. He spied the treetop, rubbed his chin, opened his sack, and stuffed the top in. He scampered home and jumped his gate. This Christmas present couldn't wait. It's even better than mincemeat pies, said Mrs. Fox with a happy sigh. Then the foxes saw that their Christmas prize was just a wee bit oversized. There, my dears, don't you worry. I'll fix this top now in a hurry. Benjamin Rabbit found it then, just outside the fox's den. It seems, he thought, most certainly, Santa left that for my family. Look, he cried, see the tree I found. With that, he called his family round. Then there was a merry-making, rollicking, frolicking, carrot-shaking celebration around the tree. All were as happy as rabbits can be. Benjamin Rabbit, with his own hand, sliced a carrot and made a stand. Now let's see how this will look in our little chimney nook. But right away the children cried, Look, it's leaning off to one side. It's too tall, that's all, said Mrs. Rabbit. And as though it were a summer carrot, she gave it a chop and threw away the top. 
Then Mistletoe Mouse just happened to see the tiny tip of a Christmas tree. He pulled it through the snow and ice, up some stairs. He fell down twice. At last he reached his cozy house. It's just the right size, said Mrs. Mouse. Then at the top, if you please, they put a star made out of cheese. Oh, wasn't it grand to have a tree exactly like Mr. Willoughby? The end. My other favorite Christmas tree story, perfect for a night that we decorated our Christmas tree, is Why Christmas Trees Aren't Perfect by Richard H. Schneider, illustrated by Elizabeth J. Miles. They say if you creep into an evergreen forest late at night, you can hear the trees talking. If you listen very carefully to the whisper of the wind, you can hear the older pines telling the younger ones why they will never be perfect. They will always have a bent branch here, a gap there. But long, long ago, all evergreen trees were perfect. Each one took special pride in branches that sloped smoothly down from pointed top to evenly shaped skirt. This was especially true in a small kingdom far beyond the Carpathian Mountains in Europe. Here the evergreen trees were the most beautiful of all, for here the sun shone just right, not too hot, not too dim. Here the rain fell just enough to keep the ground moist and soft so no tree went thirsty. And here the snow fell gently day after day to keep every branch fresh and green. Each year as Christmas approached, the Queen's Woodsman would search the Royal Evergreen Forest for the most perfect, most beautiful tree. The one fortunate enough to be chosen would be cut on the first Saturday of Advent. It would then be carefully carried to the castle and set up in the center of the Great Hall. There it reigned in honor for all the Christmas celebrations. Out in the hushed forest, every evergreen hoped for this honor. Each tree tried to grow its branches and needles to perfection. All of them strained to have the best form and appearance. One tree, small pine, grew near the edge of the forest and promised to be the most beautiful of all. As a seedling, it had listened carefully to the older trees who knew what was best for young saplings, and it had tried so very hard to grow just right. As a result, everything about small pine, from its deep sea green color to the curling tip of its evenly spaced branches, was perfect. It had, in fact, already overheard jealous whispers from the other trees, but it paid them no mind. Small Pine knew that if one did one's very best, what anyone else said didn't matter. One cold night, when a bright full moon glittered on the crusty snow, a little gray rabbit came hopping as fast as he could into the grove of evergreens. The rabbit's furry sides heaved in panic. From beyond the hill came the howling of the wild dogs and the thrill of the hunt. The bunny, his eyes wide with fright, frantically searched for cover. But the dark, cold trees lifted their branches artfully from the snow and frowned. They did not like this interruption of their quiet evening when growing was at its best. Faster and faster the rabbit circled as the excited howling of the dog sounded louder and louder. And then Small Pine's heart shuddered. When the terrified rabbit ran near, Small Pine dipped its lower branches down, down, down to the snow. And in that instant, before the wild dogs broke into the grove, the rabbit slipped under Small Pine's evergreen screen. He huddled safely among the comforting branches while the dogs galloped by and disappeared into the forest. In the morning, the rabbit went home to his burrow and Small Pine tried to lift its lower branches back up to their proper height. It strained and struggled, but the branches had been pressed down too long through the night. Oh well, Small Pine thought, no matter. Perhaps the woodsman wouldn't notice a few uneven branches near the ground in a tree so beautiful. Several days later, a terrible blizzard lashed the land. No one remembered ever having so much wind and snow. 
Villagers slammed their shutters tight while birds and animals huddled in their nests and dens. A brown mother wren had become lost in the storm. With feathers so wet she could barely fly, she went from one large evergreen to another looking for a shelter. But each tree she approached feared the wren would ruin its perfect shape and clenched its branches tight like a fist. Finally, the exhausted wren fluttered toward Small Pine. Once more, Small Pine's heart opened, and so did its branches. The mother wren nestled on a branch near the top, secure at last. But when the storm ended and the bird had flown away, Small Pine could not move its top branches back into their perfect shape. In them would be a gap evermore. Days passed and winter deepened. The packed snow had frozen so hard that the deer in the forest could not reach the tender ground moss, which they ate to survive. Only the older, stronger deer could dig through the icy snow with their hooves. One little fawn had wandered away from his mother. Now he was starving. He inched into the pine grove and noticed the soft, tender evergreen tips. He tried to nibble on them, but every tree quickly withdrew its needles so the tiny deer's teeth could, couldn't chew them. Thin and weak, he staggered against small pine. Pity filled the tree's heart, and it stretched out its soft needles for the starving fawn to eat. But alas, when the deer was strong enough to scamper away, small pine's branches looked very ragged. Small pine wilted in sorrow. It could hear what the larger, still perfect trees were saying about how bad it looked. A tear of pine gum oozed from the tip of a branch. Small pine knew it could never hope for the honor of being the queen's Christmas tree. Lost in despair, Small Pine did not see the good queen come with the woodsmen into the forest. It was the first Saturday of Advent, and she had come to choose the finest tree herself because this was a special celebration in the history of her kingdom. As the royal sleigh drawn by two white horses slowly passed through the forest, her careful eye scanned the evergreens. Each one was hoping to be the royal choice. When the queen saw Small Pine, a flush of anger filled her. How could such an ugly tree with so many drooping branches and gaps be allowed in the royal forest? She decided to have a woodsman cut it to throw away and nodded for the sleigh to drive on. But then she raised her hand for the sleigh to stop and glanced back at the forlorn little pine. She noticed the tracks of small animals under its uneven needles. She saw a wren's feather caught in its branches. And as she studied the gaping hole in its side and its ragged shape, understanding filled her heart. This is the one, she said, and pointed to Small Pine. The woodsmen gasped, but they did as the queen directed. To the astonishment of all the evergreens in the forest, Small Pine was carried away to the great hall in the castle. There it was decorated with shimmering silver stars and golden angels, which sparkled and flashed in the light of thousands of glowing candles. On Christmas Day, a huge Yule log blazed in the fireplace at the end of the Great Hall. While orange flames chuckled and crackled, the Queen's family and all the villagers danced and sang together around Small Pine. And everyone who danced and sang around it said that Small Pine was the finest Christmas tree yet. For in looking at its drooping nibbled branches, they saw the protecting arm of their father or the comforting lap of a mother. And some, like the wise Queen, saw the love of Christ expressed on earth. So if you walk among evergreens today, you will find, along with rabbits, birds, and other happy living things, many trees like small pine. You will see a drooping limb, which gives cover, a gap offering a warm resting place, or branches ragged from feeding hungry animals. For as have many of us, the trees have learned that living for the sake of others makes us most beautiful in the eyes of God. Mm -hmm.